Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and this particular episode of the Force Center podcast feed is the Clone Wars Report. There, that is what your evening news uh, theme tune would sound like if sung by a Gungan, right? That was clear yes. Gungan inspiration right there. Yes, yes, we got some Gungan stuff coming up. Thank you, sir. We podcast together too long. You know my Gungan horns. I know your bloop, bloop, bloop. That means, that means Gungan. Anyway, we are deci- uh, We are excited. I almost said we are decided. We are decided. We are decided to talk about Clone Wars, and we are excited. That was a little bit of mouth clumsiness in honor of Jar Jar Binks. Anyway, I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and this is... Ken Knapsack, happy to be here with the Gungan horns. 
horns. <laughs> Happy to be here with the Gungan horns. We're going to dive right in. We are discussing two episodes today because we like to discuss uh, the arcs. So if there are a couple episodes that form a one big story, we like to discuss that all at once so we can see the whole story. So uh, this episode of our podcast, we're discussing Dooku Captured, which is season one, episode 11, and the Gungan General, season one, episode 12. Both of it are written by Julie Siege. And here, Ken, if you're ready, is a summary. Please. Obi-Wan and Anakin attempt to proactively capture Count Dooku. They fail, but lead him to be kidnapped by Hondo Onaka and his band of Weequayan pirates and, let's not forget, his Kowakian monkey lizard Pilf Makmak. While Obi-Wan and Anakin fight a Gundark and drop their lightsabers a lot, Hondo ransoms Dooku off to the Galactic Republic for a million credits in spice. Sent to verify that Hondo has Dooku, Obi-Wan and Anakin are also captured. Jar Jar and Grand Senator Karis are sent to Florm to deliver the ransom, but Hondo's right-hand weak Quay, Turk, tries to steal the spice. Confusion, failure, death, and honor all ensue until eventually Jar Jar Binks rescue the Jedi and Dooku escapes. Mm-hmm. That is not even everything that happens, right? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot that, there's a lot. Packed into these two episodes, and it's almost because we've been we've been doing the arc thing, but really we've been doing lately just the individual episodes, even though they're in one kind of larger story because they really are distinct. This almost like it pushed up against that. It's definitely got two flavors, but it it flows. The middle, the middle, the end, and the beginning of these two episodes. You might as well just delete the commercial break and, and put them together. So yeah, this could be an hour long spectacle. Yeah, I do think there are some. There's definitely some different energy, uh, especially since uh, you know Jar Jar really takes a second uh, take stage in the second episode. Uh, but a lot of the themes do connect. So let's dive in. What was your overall reaction? Did you love these episodes? Like them? Struggle with them? Love one? Like the other? Where are you at? I think I loved the Dooku captured one a little bit more, but I I really love the Hondo stuff here, and Hondo's a great character. He's it's you know. Uh, He's, he's popular for, for good reason. He goes through a big change, so to speak. But that's my thing that I enjoyed about this episode, watching it again. Hondo, the Hondo we eventually love is here. Oh, yeah. He is here. And I think I overlooked that. He is a, a scary, intimidating a pirate to be, to be worried about. He is that. He is those things. But uh, he's got some quotable quotes coming his way. So I really love that, Joseph. I really love that. I had some Jar Jar feelings, but <laughs> that could mean so many things. Yeah, I had some Jar Jar feelings, but because I've, I just have such a soft spot in my heart for this this Gungan now, and I love the stuff in the Clone Wars. I, I think it's good. I think I think I think this stuff's good. There's there's a different voice casting, all those kind of things. We'll talk about uh, nothing that I'm pointing a finger at and saying bad. I'm just it's it, that 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 came up a couple times. I watched that episode actually three times. Just oh had, wow. Uh, uh, you know, you're having a bowl of cereal. You're like, I, I, I better just watch this. <laughs> anyway, but overall, yeah, I really loved it. And the Hondo stuff is great. Yeah, and I think it was really fun for me on the Hondo level, and I'm sure we can talk about this some more, to not just go like, oh, yeah, Hondo, but this is his introduction. And to see in his very first appearances across these two episodes what different character traits are all buried in there to be explored more or less in different episodes, uh, everything from lovable, fun, drunken uncle <laughs> uh, to violent, murderous cutthroat. Yeah. And you get a little bit of all of it. Uh, I'm with you, I think, on my general assessment. I love Dooku Captured. Dooku Captured is up there with, uh, I'm keeping a love list, uh, so I make sure that I don't just say I love almost every episode. 
but I, I would put Dooku captured in the love category. It's got great banter, great action, great comedy. It is a little Obi-Wan centric, which always uh, helps with me that it, mm-hmm. this is his plan. He's trying to capture Dooku. Uh, and then it's still rustling with like, you know, this uh, a subtler theme. The show is you know, continuing, I think, in this early season to set the table for what's actually at stake in the Clone Wars in this idea of uh, humility and hubris and all that is really pronounced in Dooku Captured. I think it goes through both episodes, but it's really there in Dooku Captured. And I really like any episode where a part of the flavor of Clone Wars is the point of the narrative. Uh, mm-hmm. And we've talked about this before with other episodes. But I really like that this has got a ton of the Obi-Wan and Anakin bickering and kind of a lightsaber measuring, as it were, uh, and kind of competing with one another. And the bickering is the point uh, that they uh, can't kind of get their uh, get their Jedi business together and work together well. Uh, So I love all that stuff in Dooku Captured. And then I really like the Gungan general. Um, I really like the uh, justice for Jar Jar. It's yet yet another episode that is reminding you to value Jar Jar. But it's coming from this really specific perspective that his clumsiness is not just a thing for comedy. It is a destructive force (laughs) (laughs) that, if used well, uh, can have true value. Um, I think the reason that the Gungan General goes just a little bit lower for me Mm-hmm. is because it is just a little repetitive, which I think is the narrative point with the uh, Dooku, Obi-Wan, Anakin escape and get recaptured twice. Uh, I think that's great right. for the thematic point uh, uh, that they are not going to be able to free themselves uh, the way they're working. But mm-hmm. just on a structural level, it does mean some actual repetition. you know. And I think always there's is a viewer you want things to happen and so to have kind of our three main characters escape twice works great in my sort of um, critical analytical theory brain. But for my Eaton cereal, put the foot on the gas for some adventure, it it drags it down just a little bit for me. Yeah, but uh, cereal, a big theme today. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, there, and there's just there's a little bit of us. I, I say this as uh, respectfully as I can of, of, of the writers and the team. But there's a little bit of the Jar Jar playbook for me. You go into the satchel and pull out the things you know about Jar Jar and you, and you, and you put them in there. And so I feel just like I, I've seen some of that, too, uh, which isn't bad. It isn't bad stuff. It's just I, I, I kind of had the uh, all right, got it. Got it. Let, let's 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 do it. Let's move to the point. Yeah, yeah. And I, I totally agree with you. There is a little bit of the Jar Jar playbook. But for me, I think I, that didn't bother me as much because it, it really elevated the clumsiness to to being so examined and to being under the microscope, uh, I think, in a in a really interesting way. Uh, so great. We both uh, loved and or liked these episodes. I think probably both of us are in the big picture, love the ideas. So let's dive into what those ideas are, starting with the morals of the episode. Uh, episodes. The moral of the first episode, uh, Dooku Captured, is the winding path to peace is always a worthy one, regardless of how many turns it takes. And the moral of the second episode, the Gungan General, is fail with honor rather than succeed by fraud. So did either of these grab you? Were either of these great uh, life lessons for you personally? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the road is long. Uh, yeah, uh, I liked the second one better. It just, well, that better is not the right word. Ken, come on. I just, I, I, the, the <laughs> it spoke to you more. It spoke to me. It's also very apparent. 
And also I love that really when you look at the episode, it has a lot to do with Hondo and his honor and what goes on with him. It also has with the galaxy and the Jedi and all the big things we I'm talking about. But I just, I just love, there's a little bit of that. There's a, there's a, uh, a great quote he has about it. even galaxy at war, you hope to find some honor. So I, I like that it uh, includes this pirate. Uh, the first one is uh, I liked it, um, but it caused me to have, to butt up against one of my own maybe ideas about this episode in the best way possible. It's like, okay, what is the right way? Uh, and I'll jump to that briefly too. We can talk about it when the time comes, but the idea of here's the Jedi once again, kind of having to work with people, pirates or dishonorable quote unquote, dishonorable folks, pain ransoms, all those kind of things at the whim of Palpatine, Sheev's sitting there. And I was like, all right, here's a, here's an example of the Jedi and the war and being put into tough spots. But then you go to this thing, Hey, the, the, the path forward is there's one path forward peace, and it might go to places you don't expect. So what is right and what is wrong? I don't know. Case by case, moment by moment, big questions that I don't have the answers for right now. And I love that, that, that made me think about it when I, when I really dove into these episodes. Yeah. Yeah. I think I really, uh, I think the first one spoke to me because again, it, it, like you're saying, it, it does make you kind of question all of the things that you know about the lore of the Jedi and their, you know, Padme representing the the uh, wholesome in intentions, the good intentions of the Republic, uh, and how all of that works in the Clone Wars. But I think I really liked it just because it points to uh, a strong idea going on in the episodes uh, that we'll talk about of just how much the Jedi are committed. They're they're being proactive and they are committed to we gotta end this war. We gotta get Dooku, and we will do anything that is hopefully nonviolent to do it. And we'll keep putting that emphasis, you know, and like you point out, I like, I like that. It's not Sheev pulling strings and manipulating as much in this episode. When they get the ransom, it's Padme who just says, yeah, I know it, it doesn't matter that it's pirates. We need Dooku. And that is absolutely. And, and just paying money for it, uh, paying money, money doesn't matter when ending this war in a nonviolent way matters. And for me, you could definitely attack that moment with Padme from lots of different moral perspectives. But for me, I think it's partially because Padme is almost always the paragon of, of virtue and the mm -hmm. paragon of being right in, in the prequel era that it really struck me as like, yeah, no, we really need to organize our priorities in saying the Republic doesn't pay money to pirates is way down on the list of moral imperatives than capture this murderer and get back to diplomacy and end the war. Yeah, this idea again of, of of only one path forward. It's it's like uh, you know when you 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 put an oil in your car, you use that little funnel. It all goes one direction. So <laughs> measuring it against that, and if Padme is as you're saying, great point. Just kind of going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's we got to go this way, and every, this leads us that way. So we got to do it. Yeah, yeah. I think she's just got a good organizational list. Um, yeah, and then fail with honor rather than succeed by fraud. Yeah, it comes up later in the episode where the actual word honor starts getting thrown around and it sort of recontextualizes a lot of the actions for everybody. But I love that that is the moral. Uh, and I think uh, I think for for between these two, fail with honor rather than succeed by fraud. That's a great life lesson uh, mm -hmm. that I think is one of those ones that we need to remind ourselves of as adults. This is one of those, yep, uh, Star Wars, uh, according to Lucas, it's for 12-year-olds, uh, but I guess there's a part of me that's always 12 years old <laughs> and needs to be 
reminded of these things. But yeah. fail with honor rather than succeed by fraud is one of those things that you read it and I think almost any adult would go like, well, yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay, great. It's kindergarten. Thanks for telling me that. Why do I need to hear that? But I think that's one of those things that creeps in, you know, especially you get to, um, you know, it, it's our business. Uh, so it's the one that I'll use, but I think it comes up in, you know, just constant a number of places as an adult, but like being in Hollywood and, you know, you, you encounter people who are like, yeah, no, I'll be, I'll be fake to a person's face in order to get what I want. Or, uh, I will, you know, go along with a creative idea that I absolutely hate because I think it will get me some power. Uh, and sometimes those people are seen as smart and strategic and you're encouraged to be, to like stop being naive and be a little bit more like that. Um, and that idea of like, well, I didn't, I didn't get that job, but I also didn't commit to, you know, a concept creatively that I don't support. Uh, and you can sit there and kind of beat yourself up. And here's a, a moral. Here's a little story that is reminding you this isn't just a kindergarten lesson. We as adults are constantly encountering choices like that of I could get what I want by doing things in a way that I don't feel great about. Mm -hmm. Or I could have to deal with the fact that I didn't get exactly what I want right now. But at least I stayed true to myself. Yeah. There, um, there's a big giant blank space where I want to apply this to current um, digital media space drama. <laughs> <laughs> That's been going on this week of a, of a former uh, uh, boss of mine. Where it's I'm just blissfully like, unaware of that. Mm, where it's just like, cool, get your clicks on Route 66, but putting a bunch of stuff out that ain't true. And uh, some of us over here just uh, smaller, less financially stable. <laughs> we're okay. And we are who we are. And we're no, no, uh, that's all I'll say. And it's, uh, it's interesting this episode came up this week to, to kind of help remind me that. Yeah. Yeah. And again, you know, this is uh, the, the world that Ken and I operate in so that we often use that as an example, but it's just an example. I think that it happens, you know, in all sorts of different walks of life and walks of career, those kind of choices. Um, any other thoughts on the morals before we dive into what we felt were the big themes of the episodes? Juicy stuff. Let's go forward. <laughs> Excellent. So for you, what were the big ideas at stake in these two episodes? Or if you thought there were specific uh, themes in one episode or the other? Uh, looking at the, I guess, going in episode one, I, I love the, you talked about Anakin and Obi-Wan kind of at each other. And it, gosh, sorry, it actually goes to the Gungan general. This is the problem. You got two episodes back to back. I overall, overall, here's where I'll go. This idea of Anakin kind of having these two paths on his shoulder, Dooku and Obi-Wan kind of the angel and the devil uh, being connected in, 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 in literally in, in a pro wrestling style dog collar match from the seventies, <laughs> uh, early eighties. Uh, there's that. And then just him, you see him, negotiating how best to go forward, how best to work towards the path of peace. And, and when he is, uh, I'll jump down the tunnel and chase him. And that doesn't necessarily work. And Obi-Wan's way does, but it, it, it also is actually, there's a lot of that going on uh, in, in the early episode for me, uh, as it just relates to Anakin and Obi-Wan and that path forward. Yeah. I really like that. This is an episode that does put a, a dim spotlight. And I mean that in a great way <laughs> mm -hmm. on Anakin, because it can get uh, heavy handed when we know that we're watching these Clone Wars adventures. Uh, the shadow of Vader is over every episode of Clone Wars. 
and you can choose to focus on that shadow or not. And I like that this episode is, it's absolutely apparent that Anakin really, like he always does, wants to storm forward, wants to smash and break and get the job done. And sometimes that's portrayed in the Clone Wars as admirable. And this one really does feel like if Obi-Wan wasn't around, he some heads might be rolling. But I like that it's subtle. You know, it's not super pointed out. It's just you can see it in his well-animated face of like, come on, let's just uh, let's just kick ass. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's this that direct line. I don't know. Duke is tapping into it where he's like, he kind of suggests Anakin would be nothing without Obi-Wan around. Just stoking that. Yep. Drama between them. Yep. Real nice real moment. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think for me, it's along the lines of what you're talking about, one of the just big themes that connect everything uh, I thought of is hubris of the Force users. Um, you, it starts with, you know, Anakin losing his lightsaber because we start right away and the whole lightsaber thing back and forth between Anakin and Obi-Wan, for me, you, you can watch it and just go like, oh, that's some fun comedy. They kind of tease each other when they drop their lightsabers. But there's some hubris there. Of They're so used to them. They so cling to them that they feel powerless. And even Hondo thinks they are powerless if they don't have the lightsabers. And they go back and forth with um, Anakin losing his and Obi-Wan's malfunctioning. And then they don't have them. And then a, <laughs> a freaking monkey lizard has it. And on and on. Uh, Obi-Wan's plan falls apart. So, you know, neither Anakin or Obi-Wan are actually winning this argument of who's better by what's actually happening in these episodes. Uh, they need to be rescued by Ahsoka. And uh, they're not particularly uh, gracious about it because <laughs> they're oh. still like, no, we can handle this. It's just a gun dark and it's just a bunch of rocks and it's just poisonous gas that we released. Um, and I like that it's not, it's not portraying them as bumbling. Mm-mm. You understand why they got there, uh, but they're not quite willing to uh, contain their hubris. Uh, and then the same thing with Dooku. He, he, of course, thinks he's unstoppable because he's a Sith and because he's rich. I really like that he keeps being like, well, if there's enough of you, I'll, uh, you know, if there's not too many of you, I'll kill you. But if there are too many of you, I will just offer you money. Uh, and he keeps thinking that he can just kill uh, or buy his way out of anything. And I like that this is underlined when Hondo is uh, ransoming him and showing him off in the hologram and saying, I'm afraid he's too embarrassed to speak. You know, it really underlines like, oh, Sith Lord, oh, leader of the Separatists. Oh, you're really rich. Uh, too bad we have more guns right now. Um and then even going into the Gungan general, Anakin still doesn't want to admit that, yes, Jar Jar rescued him. Still at the end, he's like, we weren't really in that much trouble. Uh, and he, you know, refuses to learn that lesson that Obi-Wan offers really clearly at the end of the first episode. Uh, I love this Obi-Wan line saying, eh, maybe there's a lesson to be learned here uh, when Anakin is wondering how a bunch of pirates could have captured Dooku, but they couldn't. You know, Obi-Wan says, it's to remind us to be humble and never too proud to accept a gift when it comes our way. So I really loved that all of these different plot points and all of these different uh, dynamics were pointing towards our, uh, one of our favorite words here on Force Center, hubris. We love that word. Yeah, there's something to, uh, I love at play here. Uh, this is this is slightly off topic, I apologize, but you brought it up and I have a note here about, you know, Count Dooku looks rich hondo's just like look at look at money bags over here <laughs> and how we now recognize and with high republic we're seeing it was different maybe throughout the era but the idea of that yeah, we we associate jedi dressing as humble moisture farmers now and how it's so spiritually the opposite 
for Dooku just to, it, it, he, he's trying to flaunt it. He's driving around in that big fancy car. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and got the sassy pajamas. I just like that. Uh, I like that. That's that play too. Just the different, different ways to, to approach it. Yeah. One being, and that being not that, that not being the good one. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I like that even Hondo calls it out and was like, nice solar sailor. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, did you accidentally uh, drive your fancy spaceship to a place that you shouldn't, rich guy? All right. All right. Uh, great stuff there. Um, I have a couple other themes and ideas, but I want to hear what else you have on your plate as well. I, I really, the, uh, so let's go into some Hondo here because that that's kind of what I was talking about here. Just like, just applying this theme of, um, of honor and doing it the, the right way to Hondo. Uh, and how he's turned on uh, by his own men. And then this, to me, sets up a little bit of, of why maybe it's easier to accept him as who he is. He's still a pirate. He's still maybe not to be trusted, and he's always got a scheme up his sleeve. Uh, but I, I really like focusing on, especially the second time I watched it, of just like, I'm not saying he's a great guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? But the idea that he kind of deserves the honor he's shown by Obi-Wan at the end, I think in a way that might come back and, and help people later. If that make makes sense with, with Hondo, it, it is that like uh, uh, the unintentional, unintentional positive consequences of letting Hondo go here. There's probably enough reason to take him, maybe even slice his head off, off like, like Anakin wanted, but that it's uh, not right. It's not the right, right. Obi-Wan recognizes it. And so I think that comes back to help a lot of people. There's unintended consequences, unintended uh, benefits, I should say, of um, of Hondo being let go here. You just mean that, like, literally Hondo ends up truly helping and truly being a friend to Ezra in his own weird way? Yeah, yeah. And it, uh, that wouldn't, you know, wouldn't necessarily have happened. And the, 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 the force rewarding a good decision, uh, a right, just decision by Obi-Wan, and, and Hondo being rewarded for, for honor. Yeah. It, like his own his own um, version of honor. Yeah, you know I really love this idea. Um, I had written down honor just as a big theme as well. Um, I really like that line of Hondo wishing it still existed. You know, even during these times of war, because it it absolutely can be read as a comedy line. I think it is a, a funny comedy line because obviously he's a pirate uh, and he will do things that don't have honor, and he will he will uh, congratulate himself and toast himself <laughs> for doing things right. that aren't honorable. So it is a great comedy line. But there, yeah. it is that crack into who he becomes in uh, in Rebels. Uh, and I get this sense that he is he's a DJ like character from the Last Jedi, or even like Han early on, or Orlando, that he is a scoundrel, and he's a scoundrel partially because that's the world he's known. And it's almost wistful, like he's got this like, well, if people would be honorable to me. I like honor. I like the idea of it. And if people were honorable to me, I guess I could be honorable back, but sadly that doesn't exist. And it's partially a joke, but partially to me, there is that little bit of, uh, I wish it was that kind of world and Mm -hmm. utter shock when Obi-Wan shows him kind of some honor. (laughs) Uh, I, I think so. Um, yeah, I, I, and I, I love that ending of like, yeah, they absolutely could arrest him, right? Uh, certainly oh. shouldn't kill him. And, and you do get that vibe that maybe Anakin, left alone, would have said he's a threat, uh, <laughs> you know? Um, but Obi-Wan has that. We don't seek revenge. It all worked out. You, you know, your people betrayed you and you didn't get anything out of the deal. So you kind of already got what's coming to you. And oh, by the way, 
uh, Dooku absolutely does seek revenge. He knows where you live. Yeah. Uh, so I liked on the one hand, Obi-Wan's like, I am taking the Jedi path. I'm taking the high road. I'm not going to seek revenge. I'm not even going to imprison you because you know what, Hondo? You've already made your own bed and you're going to have to lie in it when Dooku comes for you is a little bit of a reinforcement of, I think, maybe the way Hondo sees the world of like, yeah, it's it's hard that, you know, it's really hard to have honor because other people aren't going to. That's, you know, that's what makes being a Jedi, being an honorable person really hard. Uh, too bad for you, uh, Hondo. I'm not going to do it, but Dooku might. So have a great day. Bye. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I, lo- I lo- love that you pointed out that, that there's still reckonings to be be dealt with you know there's still things coming down the path uh for hondo again yeah would anakin be justified eh, maybe but it, it would hurt his his soul anakin's soul so uh, all all that even kind of go into the the first uh, uh theme of uh, a path and the path path forward seek, seek peace seek uh that's the jedi way and 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 what will ever what will come uh will be uh, up to the force yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's one thing if, yeah, if Honda was about to shoot Obi-Wan in the back and there was no way and Anakin, you know, defended, uh, you know, Obi-Wan by killing Hondo, great. But like there you get that sense of Anakin's pride as, the, as a powerful Jedi has been really hurt by this incident. And if he uh, took it out on Hondo, he, it would absolutely be about that, not about defending or saving or arresting him because he did a crime. It would just be about, you made me look like an idiot and you just, you know, sent a bunch of electricity through me, torturing me. So uh, here's some payback. Yeah. yeah. Uh, along this honor theme, I also really like this moment where Obi-Wan is unwilling to drop Dooku. Uh, that and, and you get the sense that Anakin would for sure, uh, partially because he, he yells about it. Um, so that's another moment of just straightforward, actually, honor from Obi Wan. And then there's that line from Jar Jar in the Gungan General as well, where the clones are like, "Well, maybe we should just stay here and wait for reinforcements." And Jar Jar is basically like, "No, Obi and Annie are depending on us," which is another moment of just great honor from Jar Jar. Han Solo would agree. He'd be like, yeah, that's a friends. Got to go help. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so any other I, big themes you, you wanted to discuss? Uh, no, those are the two ones that jumped out and, and how it just plays out. And, and again, goes, uh, especially when you have the force and destiny and all these big Star Wars themes, when you when you put up a theme of, hey, the, the, the road is long with many a winding road to make the song reference again, like, it's one direction forward and how you get there, uh, you know, re- rely on the force, rely on what you know and what you believe going forward. And, and there's some honor in that. These these really do mesh together well when you put them down. Yeah, yeah. And the last kind of big theme for me, I think, that really connects the big picture stuff is uh, this theme of working together or not. Um, maybe uh, loyalty versus treachery. But just the... We, we have basically three groups uh, functioning to try to get what they want for the most part across these two episodes. Um, we have Hondo who in his pirate gang who wants to make money and Turk uh, betrays Hondo and entirely messes up that plan. Uh, Hondo messes up his own plan a little bit <laughs> by uh, taking Obi-Wan and Anakin. So you get this from the pirates perspective. If they had just kind of been able to work together and uh, follow through on their initial plan, it would have worked and they would have got money and everybody would have been happy. Um, then Obi-Wan and Anakin can't quite work together well yet uh, when they're uh, alone together. Certainly once they get with Dooku, 
the three of them can't like work together and mesh their skills, not surprisingly. And then the unit, the team that actually ends up having any success is the clone commanders in Jar Jar entirely because uh, that clone commander recognizes Jar Jar's, not just his bravery, because we know that Jar Jar is, you know, true hearted and brave and always willing to do what he needs to, even if he's uh, scared. But he actually calls out that Jar Jar is smarter than he looks. And then this big thing that I love so much is it's pretty frightening that <laughs> Jar Jar's clumsiness, you know, really contributes to, if not is entirely responsible for getting them shot down and getting Senator Karras just brutally killed, just neck snapped in a ship accident. And he has to bury him. Uh, And instead of just being utterly disgusted by Jar Jar's total clumsiness around anything technical, anything technology based, the clone commander sees that as a skill. He sees that, oh, he's clumsy when it's around technology, but he's actually pretty flowing when it's around and knowledgeable when it's around organic stuff. Hey, if we just send him onto the pirate ships, he will, that clumsiness will just cause chaos and death <laughs> weaponized clumsiness. weaponized clumsiness so i see that as like the clone commander and the rest of the clones see who jar jar is and integrate his value his individual value into their whole and they're the only unit that is successful not the yeah. pirates and not the jedi and dooku teamwork kids Teamwork, knowing all your parts, knowing your skills. Uh, great stuff, too. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. We, we can discuss later, but just uh, it's it's a bigger Star Wars theme, too. We always talk about the organic versus the mechanical, right? Just there, there is Jar Jar again, literally just looking at the little hippo creatures there uh, and, and feeling and connected. And, and, and we've already seen that in our rewatch. Jar Jar is time and time again connected with nature. And uh, good on you, Jar Jar. Yeah, yeah. He knows what's going on with the acid geysers because of the beasties. Yeah, it's so great. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the uh, how these themes in these two episodes reflect larger storytelling or morality uh, or perspective of Star Wars. Let's do it. What do you got? Uh, well, you talk about the Jedi way. This is this is a textbook kind of. Uh, uh, this is a maybe not. It's it's the workbook worksheet in the back of the textbook. <laughs> Another Jedi uh, go about working through things, um, particularly around who you're forced to, forced to work with, uh, the Dooku stuff. I talk, again, talking about the angels on Anakin's shoulders uh, and how that constantly ties into uh, what the Jedi are supposed to do with when faced with big actions and when to throw down your blade, Luke, when to raise it and, and strike, Mace. <laughs> at times yes and at times no so uh, i'll start there it, just that connecting into the true jedi way yeah i really like that because that was i think both uh, very clear in a lot of the things that obi-wan said and did but also kind of in those little moments i, I keep talking about on our clone wars report how some of the really big ideas of star wars can kind of just be buried in the great uh, tom kane announcer <laughs> mm-hmm. just uh, shouting big star wars themes um and I feel like what one of the things that I really uh, was excited about right at the beginning is the setup of this whole adventure is that the Jedi are actively looking for Dooku. They are trying to end the war as soon as possible by capturing Dooku. And a lot of times when we sort of criticize the Jedi, if you're, you're just focusing on the movies, you know, like the 
the Clone Wars feels wrong to them, but they just go all in anyway. And, you know, I think it's good criticism to say, like, why would, well, why didn't they do more to figure out, you know, where these clones came from? What's all that? And here's an example of them. You know, most of this early season, we've seen them on the defensive of, look, there's a weapon or their separatists are trying to destroy a medical station or this planet desperately needs help. So we'll go defend it. This is one of the first episodes where we really see like Obi-Wan sat down, I'm sure with the Jedi Council, made a plan to actively try to capture Dooku. And then the Mm -hmm. capture part of it is emphasized again and again. Uh, at one point uh, when they're in the prison together, you know, Obi-Wan is saying, you know, you're going to st- stand trial in Senate and you're going to end up in a prison like this for a long time. <laughs> and then Anakin adds, if you're lucky, Anakin, yeah. not entirely following the Jedi path, uh, this episode <laughs> really tempted to take a little side route from the Jedi path, you know, and I would include Padme in that, that she is, um, saying like, yeah, we have to capture him at all costs and let's pay for it. Cause that's not that important in the grand scheme of things we need to end the war by peacefully capturing dooku if at all possible so i really loved that it was proactive and that it was proactive from the perspective of we are not out to assassinate him we are out to capture him so the war can end not feel it for yeah not add more fuel to the war fire yeah they kill him yeah i mean yeah yeah Killing them at times, maybe not seeming, does not seem to be bad, but what, is, what, what do we got? We got honor. We got fraud. Choose your path. Yeah, Choose and it. I have no doubt that if if Obi-Wan was in a duel with him and it was life or death, Obi-Wan would have no problem just taking his head off, you know? And I don't, I think Obi-Wan doesn't object to what happened to, to Anakin taking his head off because Obi-Wan wasn't awake to see the why of it, Um and I think that's just like big, important storytelling as well of it, it. It isn't just your actions. It is where are they coming from? And, you know, Sidious uh, successfully goads Anakin into uh, killing Dooku for revenge um, in his heart of hearts. Uh, and this episode is a great counterpoint to that of, look, you know, if he has to die, great. But also if he doesn't, and you know, that's why Obi-Wan chooses to catch him. It's like, he doesn't have to die. He's not a threat to us. I'm still going to mm-hmm. try to capture him. Even though he's an incredible danger, I'm still going to try to capture him, not kill him. Or not let him, not just stand by while he falls to his death. Right. It, when you talk about the intentions, too, and, and just maybe jump far, far ahead to episode nine, we hear a lot, um, I, I, you know, you, you occasionally on, on Twitterverse or something like that, like, wait, like, wait, Palpatine wanted Ray or Kylo to kill him, specifically Ray, kill me, kill me, and and, and that's the plan. And then she does, and it ends up being good, right? I've seen that question a lot, and and mm-hmm. you talk, you and I've talked to just, but there it is—the simple intentions of of of. She doesn't do it out of hate; she rejects the hate, and does it out of a much different uh, point of view and, and part of her heart and and purpose, right? So that's that's the kind of stuff that's the groundwork of it, the DNA of these kind of decisions. It's not plot point problems; it goes to the stuff like this your actions and, and where they come from and how you're tying it to, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about Palpatine, Dooku and, and Anakin and, and Sith and return and, and revenge of the Sith. Um, the difference there. So anyways, I, I exactly that, that's the DNA that's in all these kind of Jedi way conversations. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And to me, the, there's that image of that lightning is shooting out in, uh, the rise of Skywalker 
from Palpatine, it, the uh, metaphor of the dark side will destroy everything is made literal by it's just it's launching up there and it's destroying everything. And, you know, Ray is the shield in between the galaxy and the extremely poor choice <laughs> that Sidious yeah. is making. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The organic versus mechanical as well as I think that uh, that great theme. And then uh, kind of mentioned this earlier. I, I do like this picture between Jar Jar and the clones and I think it's a thing that comes up in big Star Wars philosophy a lot that the individual absolutely has value uh, but so does the whole so this idea that yep Jar Jar has these skills that can be destructive but if we work with them as a whole his individual skills can really work well uh, to help the goals of the group so that great balancing between the individual and the whole yeah yeah, I was trying to think, uh, connected some of it to the Pathfinders and the Ewoks and Return of the Jedi, too. But it, it's it's familiar. We talked about about, you know, even with Leia seeing an ally and Wicked and and Wicked having to trust her and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, it's something similar. They're on this planet. There's there's Jar Jar. Is is he the Ewoks? Kind of maybe uh, connecting to the, uh, the the beasties, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and, and, and like you said, the end result is uh, not that this was a contest, but that team won the race. That team won the uh, company picnic. uh, (laughs) They absolutely did. Uh, They won the company picnic by recognizing if Jar Jar gets in a vehicle, people near him will die. (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) Destructive and scary. Any other thoughts on big themes before we take a quick break? No, wonderful. Yeah, I love uh, the, the DNA of all this stuff, man. It is all built into these. And I love uh, talking about them, discovering them, rediscovering them, and it's just part of the fun of being a Star Wars fan. Yeah, that is right. So we've taken a look at some DNA moments in the, these episodes of Clone Wars, and we're going to be back to look at some of the fun action comedy moments and all that kind of great stuff in just a moment. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. Hey, Four Center fans, don't forget, Four Center is on YouTube. Head over there to catch up with our new show, Star Wars Show and Tell. Joseph, Jennifer, Ken, and special guests sit down and share favorite items from their own Star Wars memorabilia collections. Plus, there's the In Memoriam video series, encore presentations of Databank Brawl, and special programming all there for you, and more shows on the way. It's Four Center on YouTube. Check it out. back to talk more of Dooku Captured and the Gungan General. Ken, let's dive into the details. Did you have a favorite action moment? I had, yes. Let's, uh, let's see. Okay. Um, I mentioned it up top. I, I just, it's not entirely accurate, but <laughs> I, and I, I, I've always loved this episode in the back of my head. It's like, oh yeah, weren't they, weren't Dooku, Anakin, Obi-Wan all tied together at once? Yes, they were. <laughs> uh, dog collar wrestling match. It, it, it doesn't get, you don't see it much anymore. It's an old school 
a wrestling territory thing, usually real legitimately brutal matches. Uh, Roddy Piper suffered an ear injury in like 82 and he never probably hurt again. Like they're, they're these silly, stupidly brutal uh, in, in the in the fake world of wrestling. But you, you attach the opponents together in a dog collar and a chain and they can't escape each other and they must get to four corners. It's all this, it's silly, Joseph. It's silly. But I love this here. <laughs> I love seeing it here. I love the reveal. It's so, so well like, uh, Duke is just like, oh, you guys are awake now. God, I've been trying to get away from you all. <laughs> and they have to work together. So, they're, you know, it's not a match. And you know, there isn't a winner. But it just reminds me of it. It made me laugh. It's the heels of the baby faces having to work together and they can't get away. Uh, I just love that. So I just love that whole concept and the use of it here in that episode. That's really cool. I did not know that wrestling history. That makes uh, perfect sense. But it's really cool to hear that perspective. Yeah, and it, it's silly. It's silly. It's a it's a it's a deep cut older wrestling thing, but uh, I, I laugh every time I see it. Yeah, yeah, but it works really well. Um, what are other favorite action moments for you? Uh, I do. <laughs> I watched it a couple times. Dooku sliding with that, just like all right, boom through the floor I go. When Anakin just like in after him, it's like man, Skywalker's just love just sliding down things. Though Luke didn't really intend to do that in purpose in uh, in Empire. But he's got some skills like his dad here going down, sliding down the tube. I just like it. It's just fun. It's like almost like a video game moment for me. Uh, I like that. I do like the toxic gas. And here's why I like it. I like it uh, because, it, you know, there's no part of me that's watching this then or now thinking Anakin or Obi-Wan are going to die. Right. Right. There's, just, there's no no part of you. But it does raise the stakes in story for Jedi and death. And mm-hmm. sometimes in Clone Wars, there is, you know, we know it's come with Order 66. But it, there is that like they're superheroes. Uh, we know they can die. We we get it. Rest in peace, Qui-Gon. But I, I do like the in, in-universe, in-story reminders that there's some stakes for them as as, as creatures and, and human humanoids and, and aliens. I, I like that. So I like that sequence. Oh, yeah. There's almost nothing but reminders of uh, how vulnerable the Jedi can be. <laughs> um, yeah. For me, for action moments, I really like... Uh, I, I This episode has so much about like the Jedi and the Sith really relying on their lightsabers going to their lightsabers first so i like watching them try to function without the lightsabers uh so i really like it when obi-wan throws the rock at the gundark yeah um and just with the force and just beans the gundark right in the head uh and then i really liked uh you know anakin gets in on the action they throw all the rocks at the gundark and i like that they establish that she's just knocked out not only is that great for she continues to be a threat because like oh great we can't we're still buried there's poisonous gas and the Gundark's still coming. But, you know, you and I have talked a lot lately about the, the relationship between big, scary monsters for fun, pulpy adventure versus constantly slicing them apart doesn't feel really Jedi. Uh, so this was great to turn tune into episodes. Like, when the Gundark popped up, I didn't remember. Like, oh, yeah, they're going to slaughter that Gundark. I'm like, oh, yeah, they didn't. Yeah, it's the Fallen Order thing, which... It's not this, you know, I don't dislike the game or anything, but it's like, it it came up, and I remember... We've talked about it, and I've seen other people talk about it. And then, like, kind of weeks later, our friend Billy Patterson, friend of the show from Screen Junkies, he just texted me just like, hey, is it just me or you're murdering a lot of animals? And I'm like, yeah, that is present. And it's and it's a slight problem for me. I've talked about the mudhorn. I feel sorry for the mudhorn. I love that sequence. I love the baby Yoda and, and Mandalorian are all right. But, yeah, and so watching this again, I, I re- a big smile came across my face when Obi-Wan's like, yeah, she's asleep. Does it come back to hurt them or haunt them? Maybe bigger morality question, but I'm okay with not slicing it in two. 
Yeah, hurts their pride. Hurts their pride. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm great that it's great that the Gundark didn't just get sliced to pieces. Uh, perhaps later. Um, some other uh uh action moments for me. This is kind of an action and a comedy moment. I I I, I thought the episode was really funny, but um, I I like how much the pirates just uh suddenly hit each other a lot <laughs> for, for very little reason, and the thing that just literally uh cracked me up, laugh out loud. Uh, was the random Jawa starting to say Utini and getting punched before he could finish. <laughs> yeah. Utini. Poof. Uh, I think it's particularly effective because, hey, I love Utini. I love when it popped up in uh, Phantom Menace. Uh, great. All great uh, on Utini. But especially this early part of Clone Wars has been very quotey to other Star Wars, right? With having the, I've got a bad feeling about this. And, you know, that whole malevolence arc has a bunch of callback lines. There's a meta energy to like, yeah, yeah, got it, Jawa. We've heard that. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, other favorite action action moments for me, uh, you know, we talk about enjoying the violence as entertainment and mm-hmm. uh, just that, that weird power fantasy. Obviously, it's not uh, meant to be like, yes, this is how you should do things. But after watching Dooku be restrained, seeing his extra violent, extra cruel escape, uh, is a is a fun action moment. It's a you know, reminder of what a bad guy he is, and just the the uh, both choking Turk and making him shoot his friend, and then pretty brutally snapping his neck. Uh, mm-hmm. And the Clone Wars does not back off from violence, uh, but that was a a engaging action moment to see after he had been contained this whole time, and after you've kind of had some fun with the comedy of them being stuck together to be reminded, like, no, he's he's brutal, and he will kill anyone for any reason. Yeah, I, I the reminder is important to me. It's fun. We can press X on your controller and and, and snap next, but it is a re, that that reminder. Uh, just like we always talk about, Vader's not to be praised. <laughs> uh, you know, the Sith Lord thing has that's the direction of it. So yeah, yeah, good call. And that's yeah, that's the better to uh, you know fail uh, with honor than succeed with fraud. I mean, fraud uh, is not the exact right word, but you know. Dooku, uh, you know, gets his power back. He gets to escape and he slaughters these dudes. And Obi-Wan's like, no, no. I mean, we had to be rescued and I'm, you know, not going to be too embarrassed about it and I'm not going to kill you. (laughs) But Dooku will. Um, That line, I I would, from Dooku, I would kill you both right now if I did not have to drag your bodies. That that was a highlight as well. Uh, Any other action moments for you? Yes, I actually am going to put this in the action section. In episode two, there is a moment of... uh, Jar Jar being really overjoyed being in a spinning out of control tank turret. Uh, and you know, that would have been some whimsy, but to your point, the weaponization of Jar Jar's clumsiness, there it is. And I love it. And there's a glee, ah, confusion and panic and also results. And I like it. Yep. That is the great action moment of just uh, touch, touch tech and somebody dies when it's old Jar Jar. Um, I'm going to put this in action moment, even though it's probably more comedy, but I really do. It doesn't work out for them, but I like uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin switching those poison drinks at the end of the, the first episode. Yes. Pretty damn great. Uh, so let's move on to moments of comedy, whimsy, and weirdness. What do you got there? Going to in episode one, it's really, it's early. It's early. Um, there's an, uh, excuse me, Obi-Wan force run moment when he's like, boop, and the droid kind of turns around. And I just, I don't, I don't know. I think I'm a sucker for what did I hear comedy takes. <laughs> and, right. Yeah. And it for to tie a little bit to New Hope, where, you know, Obi-Wan's like 
trying to shut down the tractor beam and makes the sound. What was that? What was that? I don't know. That was nothing. I don't know. I was like, kind of that distraction follows Obi-Wan around. Yeah, no, it, it is. It was really great Obi-Wan stuff right there in the beginning. The, he came up with a plan. It's a little devious. And part of his plan is, of course, I will sneak because he loves sneaking. And you're right. That's yeah. a great sneak moment. Um, right away. This episode, I think, made me love it right away because not only was it a Obi-Wan in a weird space jetpack and bubblehead <laughs> going on his mission, but everything in that uh, that opening was great. I really, really in a, liked and again, laughed out loud. And he opens the door. Those two prisoners get up. <laughs> he says, don't bother to get up. You're not the prisoner I'm looking for. And slams the door shut on him. Yes, I watched that. Yeah, I'm so glad you put that down because uh, I've watched that about literally five minutes before I started recording. And I watched it again. And I was like, just, is that, is, I love that, that those two characters have a whole plot and story in their own worlds. <laughs> and they're like, we're rest. Nope, we're not. You're right. Like if this was a Tarantino movie, like 40 minutes yeah. from now, we would see how they ended up there. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Great point. What are other comedy moments for you? Uh, there's, there's a lot of quotes. And if there isn't a book of Hondo quotes, like a book of Tyrion Lannister, Lannister quotes, there probably needs to be. But before we get to the Hondo ones, I do. Come on. The, the whole uh, Obi-Wan going, Anakin, what? Control your insolence. <laughs> it's just such after Duke who says it. Uh, I uh, I do love that. And then there's a small moment that when they're walking where Obi-Wan and Anakin uh, yank Dooku as Dooku's looking down the hall. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's like a second edit. And he's just like, mm, and they're like, mm, yank him. And it reminded me, I don't know, it was like a kid being, uh, you know, I've ever seen a kid on a leash in a museum or something. And the parents <laughs> and the kid just stared around. I don't know. That's that's not the highbrow Star Wars comedy, but I loved it. And then, uh, you know, a couple of Hondo quotes, but uh, we can get to those in a second. If okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think for me, that was great. The Control Your Insolence was a, a great just, yeah, the power of sarcasm. And, and I think a great mocking of the way villains talk in Star Wars, right? That's a very Dooku line to say, you know, you know, control your your apprentice's insolence. Uh, <laughs> so then for Obi-Wan to give that command uh, to uh, Anakin, really well delivered by James Arnold Taylor, I think, to have that little bit of sarcasm. Anakin, please control your insolence. Um, a, a really funny Anakin line to me uh, was when Obi-Wan's blade wasn't working. I like the Obi-Wan line. It was working just a moment ago and the flickering and the Obi-Wan being caught up in his hubris for constantly berating Anakin for losing his lightsaber and then his lightsaber doesn't work and uh he he you know talks about it being hit by a rock that Anakin was hit by a rock and then uh Anakin flicks that little rock <laughs> at Obi-Wan's lightsaber and says you don't suppose it was hit by a rock do you uh great mocking of Obi-Wan in that little rock flick like that like went beyond banter to like this is a truly like sibling relationship where they love each other, know each other really well, and also get irritated with one another. So it's really funny. Yeah. Um, and then I, m my biggest comedy moment for me is just across the board, uh, Pilf Muck Muck, the Quackian Monkey Lizard. Man, oh, yeah. I, I just, I love a monkey lizard. I love that this one is really, uh, you know, extra sort of like, Salacious Crumb is kind of sitting back and being entertained and amazed uh, by his master, you know, he's like looking at the tail, Jabba's tail and everything. And Pilf Muck Muck just feels like he's probably got deals on the side that Honto doesn't know about. He's just 
<laughs> he's so he's such a violent, awful little id. And yeah. I love it when he hops on Dooku's shoulder and kind of checks him out. But my favorite thing, oh my gosh, just to imagine the chaos and the fear of seeing Pilf Muckmuck, the quacking monkey lizard, on a table holding a bottle of alcohol and a lightsaber. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> it's just so great to be like, what possible chaos could happen uh, with a bottle of alcohol and a lightsaber, especially held by Pilf Muckmuck? Muck, muck. So those are some of the things that I loved. I got one Hondo quote, but I want to hear your Hondo takes. Uh, there, I mean, there's really a lot. I stopped writing them down after one point. I was just like, I can't keep. It's just going to be an episode of Hondo quotes. Uh, and maybe that'll be a Star Wars rank down the line. I like when he refers to lightsabers. Uh, it may actually be perfect. You know, that glowy thing. Yes. <laughs> you need lightsabers? That's great. Uh, there's a moment earlier where he says there's something about we can be friends. And then towards the end, he's looking down at Anakin and he's just like, I guess this means we won't be friends. I just thought that was really <laughs> funny. Uh, and uh, there's a line of what happened to the power? I was having fun. And uh, it's just, I, again, I, I, I've always loved Hondo, but over time you can, you and I have even addressed it. He does go through a big change. He, he is, you know, viewed as a little bit more of a threat by the time he shows up in rebels, he's a little different. But it's all, but I, I think it's easy for me to just put it all in my memory banks and get fuzzy about it and, and to go back to this episode and say, no, he 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 was funny. He had some heart and he was all present right from the beginning and how he really, truly is a great character. And I, and I really enjoyed him. He's a fully formed character. Yeah. So for those of, uh, of you listening who have a Star Trek over, overlap, my wife and I are uh, beginning a rewatch of Deep Space Nine. I haven't watched it since it was broadcast. My wife has never seen it. Uh, and there's the character Quark, the Ferengi, who uh, runs the promenade bar on Deep Space Nine. And it's it was really interesting, not in a like, oh, these characters are, you know, ripped off from one another. But there's that this specific kind of archetype in this sort of a mythic storytelling of the person who is loud and proud of, I am in this for myself. I am in this to make money. On one hand, if necessary, I will do truly awful things. But on the other hand, I do, I do have a good heart. And I would also just prefer to have some drinks and some laughs with friends but I also do have this really brutal side, and those things are just both true. That's our, uh, how Quark is presented in Deep Space Nine, and I really it, it made me having just rewatched some early stuff with Quark made me appreciate Hondo even more for having that. Like, it's not a Han Solo thing where it's like, well, the truth is I have a heart of gold. <laughs> the truth is it's got a heart of acid and a heart of gold, and they're they're both in there, and they're kind of you know beating yeah. at the same pace right now. Yeah. I, yeah. I want more Honda. I just think I think it allowed here. I just and I, he's a Galaxy's Edge bet too. He's real fun. Like, give me a Hondo book. I don't know Hondo origin book. I don't know. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I'm really excited to see. I think for me, uh, previous watchings of Clone Wars and uh, Rebels that Hondo maybe popped up too much, but I'm really excited to kind of begin again with Hondo here uh, as we look at him under a little bit more of a microscope, doing these episodes and see what I think. Uh, the Hondo line that I really enjoyed, which the closest we're going to get to in origin, is that suggestion that he was raised this way. Again, it's a joke, but it also mm -hmm. suggests that it, this was part of his culture when he says, you know, mom taught me these things. And he rattles off, you know, some great pirate lessons that he got from his mom. And that by itself to me is like, oh, that's interesting because it's maybe a joke. Maybe he's BSing, but maybe it is actually the way he's raised and part of his 
culture, a part of his heritage uh, from his personal family. Uh, but then there's that great comedy button at the end where he's like, thank you, mom. Yes, yes. No, I'm gl- so glad you mentioned that, too. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, mom, was my favorite comedy lines. Any other comedy lines before we uh, get into uh, another part of our discussion? No, but I do want to know more about Mamdo Anaka. <laughs> Mamdo Anaka. Uh, let's talk about uh, connections to other canon or lore or narrative in Star Wars. What popped out to you? Uh, little, little connections here for me. I did, I did mention one, but just Duke is suggesting Anakin would be nothing without Obi-Wan and just that, that constant play and how it's from all sides. And you mentioned that this isn't, this episode isn't just about brotherly banter banter. It does pay a, a little bit. Um, it, it, I don't know. It, it pays, uh, it, it pays into what we see in Sith and the actual rivalry at times that can explode and does explode. I'm thinking of Anakin staring past Padme at Obi-Wan on the, on the uh, ship there. On, on mm-hmm. like, so it fuel it it doesn't just feel like uh yeah yay it, it feels the oh this is gonna this could break and that con and if you're constantly told that you know that can happen in life too if so, someone's like you know I, I like i like you as in that band uh, your bass playing's better than his like it, it's gonna eventually if you don't deal with it if you let it get to you um it, it could go wrong and so i'd like that dooku's just like he that's dark side working you know he knows <laughs> that those flames uh, so that's there. Uh, I do like uh, Anakin uh, having a crash landing and uh, Obi-Wan says uh, another uh, says something about uh, I've had better landings. And it's kind of another happy landing Revenge of the Sith connection for me. Yeah. Uh, talked about that. Anakin always lives in Saber. Simple stuff. Things like that. The Gundark is is a big one. And I still got to send you this link. I apologize. I referenced it in the last week's um, in the Lara Grievous episode. And it is this old force dot net interview from 2008 with Henry Gilroy. And Dave Filoni. It's really insightful because this is, they did this interview before like many of the episodes of there. We're talking like the movie maybe it aired. I, I wow. Uh, or no, not even yet because it's, I think it's prior. Yeah, it's June. Oh my gosh. June 2008. So they're talking about stuff. So there's a lot of questions about what's coming. But Henry Gilroy talks about how um, they're talking about uh, original Star Wars and the vintage and bits of, of, of us, uh, us being reminded by the vintage uh, Star Wars stuff in the Clone Wars. Henry Gilmore says the Y-Wings kind of work, work like that. They're old but new. And he says one time uh, George uh, would pull, one, one time George pulled out a drawing of a monster and said, this is a Gundark. I want to see it in the show. And simple <laughs> as that. And there you have, finally, years later, after uh, he looks strong enough to pull the ears off a Gundark, you get it. And it's not what I envisioned as a kid. Nope. And I love it. It's terrifying. Yeah, no. So did you have any kickback even back in the day when you were watching as a broadcast of thinking like the Gundark is to be uh, spoken about, not to be seen? (laughs) I didn't have like, like, oh, how dare it? You know, I don't want the answers. But it did not jive with what I had pictured in my head. And again, I don't know if it had shown up in Legends or a card game or anything like that. I I didn't know. So when it popped up and I was like, oh, okay. I was thinking of like a real nasty gerbil. You know, like... Just a big, uh, you know, maybe a, a, a one of those rats from the uh, the forest and Princess Bride, uh, rodents of unusual size. Like I, that's what I had been picturing, not a monster. Yeah, yeah, not yeah, with the the arms and everything. Yeah, yeah, that's so great. I'm I'm so glad glad that you found that interview and have been bringing it up and getting those kernels of gold from it. I love hearing that about Lucas. His presence, obviously, even when. Uh, you know, he's not directly writing or directing these episodes. His presence is everywhere. It's such a great reminder that 
his desire as a creator is like, yeah, some things he wants to be mysterious and uh, open to interpretation. And other times he's like, I made this fun world because I like science fiction. I like fantasy. I like adventure serials and I want to play. And I didn't show you a Gundark because I couldn't before. And I'm going to now because I want to see it. <laughs> I made my own Flash Gordon serial so I could see monsters put my monster on the screen. I want it now. I think it comes up again and again of him exploring those uh, those fundamental roots of where Star Wars came from and what he just finds fun and cool. And I think the Gundark is one of those things. Um, anything else for you in the canon connections? Uh, no, we talked a lot about Jar Jar, the clumsy hero, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, But uh, definitely that connects. That's there. It's very present. Yeah, yeah. So we've got a bunch of things that I think you and I are both interested in tracking the various canon of. Uh, how, how many times does Grievous go uh, full forearms? Uh, I also really want to keep track. Obviously, there are some moments where uh, Revenge of the Sith was made without the knowledge that they were going to do this entire thing. And we've got that line of, you know, uh, Obi-Wan saying, we will take him together this time. Uh, about Dooku directly right. referencing Attack of the Clones. So every time that Dooku and Obi-Wan and Anakin are together, I'm really interested to watch this. At no point do they attempt to take Dooku together. In fact, even mm -hmm. in the beginning, they split up. <laughs> Anakin's like, I'm going yeah. down the tube, like you mentioned, and Obi-Wan's like, I'm going to cut him off. Uh, mm -hmm. And they end up you know, chasing him together, and then they end up tied up together. But at no point are they like both lightsabers out, you know, you go in on this side or go in on this side, you know. Hey, that yeah, that's and that stuff's important, man. It's like a uh, tracking wedge in Rogue One that he, who, he could not have seen the Death Star, and they have uh, the voice of the original uh, actor um, from New Hope did the the, the voiceover, uh, Dennis Lawson, giving the announcements at the station, and it's like, yeah, that stuff matters to us, and I get it. I don't ever want to get hung <laughs> up on it, but yeah, that's same with the the arms that I'm counting. I think this is great. Now I'll be I'll be looking for this too. Yeah, yeah. And I know that they do both lightsaber fight him together uh, at least once in Clone Wars, you know, so uh, hardcore uh, fans, I know that's coming, but I'm really interested to see how it's uh, pitched, if it's yeah. if they yeah. discuss whether or not they're taking him together. Um, other canon things I like, it's just a little thing, but it's a part of their early banter between Obi-Wan and Anakin that Anakin is kind of uh, complaining, like, if I'm always being captured or pretending to be captured, you know, uh, how's that going to look when I trying to be a master uh and obi-wan says well you are a master at getting caught and so it's fun banter but i like just layering that in that even early on anakin wants that he that is yeah. important to him it's not just that he wants more power it's not just that he's worried about padme it's not just that he's upset that the jedi didn't uh let him uh go to find his mother and and free her earlier in his career he wants the station he wants to be master so i, I like just subtly layering that in is really cool um, the other thing for me is just, it's totally a, a tonal mood thing, but I, I think Anakin does sometimes cross the line of some of its fun banter with Obi-Wan and some of it does uh, cross the line into jealousy or anger, like you were talking about. But from Obi-Wan's perspective, it always just feels like he enjoys the banter. Like uh, I often say oh, like, yeah. you know, Obi-Wan does not crave adventure excitement. He'd be happy to be just sitting at the bar. And I think one of the things that he'd like to do is kind of have this sort of like, chess game of fun uh mm -hmm. political opinions and <laughs> philosophical opinions and you know poking fun at one another that he really likes the banter and that really drives home that obi-wan likes this sibling relationship he's happy that anakin is a jedi knight he's proud of him 
they're kind of on the same level, but he can also kind of give him grief for being younger and that Obi-Wan is his former master. But in general, Obi-Wan really likes this sibling relationship. Yeah. And I'm so interested in, you know, the fact that it's right there in the movies that Anakin says in Attack of the Clones, you're the closest thing to a father I ever had. And Anakin mm-hmm. kind of needs and wants Obi-Wan to be a father. And Obi-Wan always has seen himself as a brother. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, oof. potential deeper stuff too. Just like what you're saying of what, why Obi Wan's around, and and maybe he's having fun and not realizing how much it's hurting Anakin. Isn't it? That's an interesting, interesting line to follow. Yeah, yeah. Like these episodes make me feel like yeah, there are definitely some moments where Anakin's like getting a little. Ooh, yeah, you're you're getting uh, mm-hmm. you're dancing on the edge there, buddy. Uh, yeah. And Obi Wan's not quite entirely seen. Um, I mean, that, that's really interesting to me. Um, we mostly talked about Hondo, but I did want to ask you just directly, since this is the introduction of the character, uh, and he is this sort of bad guy that you can like because he is funny, he is willing to do horribly violent things, but there, there is this hint of honor. Do you feel like from this first introduction of Hondo that it does track for you of where he ends up as um, a fun but <laughs> a, a little duplicitous uncle type character to Ezra. Yeah, I think it does. I, I think it's, it's always worth Like I like when we mention it, even sometimes make a joke about it. Uh, it it's, it's a bit of a still, still of a bit of, of a switch. I, I think it's not, um, I don't say it's unnatural or wrong. I think it's all there. And that's the point of watching this episode. I look, I go, okay, cool. A lot of that side a lot of that stuff is in him. You talked about the acid heart and 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 the warm heart. Uh, it's it's there. It does. I I still want it to be dealt with a little more. I don't know. Uh, I don't want in in rebels or beyond even on the Batu stuff. There is it's a wink of a nod, but it's like I, I he's done some bad things. I don't need him to do bad things again or cry and have a big you know Ben Solo redemption moment. It's so if that makes sense, it's slightly weird, but I I, I do think it tracks generally. Yeah, yeah, and I, I do think Rebels makes an effort. Uh, you've seen these episodes much more recently than I to remind us that he is older, so he has softened with age, and that he yeah. does not have the power that he used to. Right, he's a yes. little bit more of a swindler, just trying to get by uh, with greatly reduced uh, physical prowess himself, uh, as well as you know greatly reduced resources. So I think it hints at he's been through some life changes. But yeah. yeah, for me, I did bump a little bit when he was super fun comedy character versus like, hey, remember when he kidnapped Jedi children? <laughs> remember yeah. when he almost killed Anakin? You know, like he, mm-hmm. he was a true threat. Uh, but seeing this episode again with fresh eyes, it's really working for me. Yeah, again, yeah, it's like, okay, cool. They they didn't necessarily have a plan in, 2000, in 2008 or actually earlier getting the show together. Like, Hey, he's going to show up and be just the fun, crazy uncle that y'all love. Like I, you know, we know that came later, but uh, they were able to pull it out quite well. Cause some of the, the groundwork was laid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, was there anything that you disliked or questioned? You talked a little bit about some Jar Jar bumps, some Jar Jar feelings yeah. along the way. Yeah. So the, th- here's the thing is, is that, uh, because, <laughs> You, if you decide to use Jar Jar, you have to, you're, you're going to use use him in a certain way, right? You know, you're not suddenly, um, you know, Wendig's uh, epilogue is the only time you really can have a different, quieter, somber, brokenhearted Jar Jar. And, and I guess I guess you could use him that way. But in, in this time period, if you're going to use Jar Jar, it's going to have these things that we're familiar with. And they do a great job every time out going, here's why. And 
weaponization of his clumsiness is, is a great observation. Um, but it just, some of the inherent silly tone undercut some of the deeper moments, including the death. You talked about the Senator and the crash. Cause it, it, there's some funny moments when, when, when um, he, he's pulling the pilot down and it's just cut. Kind of, it's, it's, it's kind of funny. It's funny stuff. Uh, you have to it, get out of here, sir. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like a 1930s, I don't know, like a Buster Keaton film or something. I don't know. It's, it's funny. And it made me laugh. And then, Seconds later, those, that pilot and the other pilot, they're dead. <laughs> yeah. And both can exist. I'm not saying they can't. Uh, and I'm not saying it was done poorly. It's just it does when Jar Jar, and I mentioned the voice. I forget who did the voice. And it is a different voice actor. Um, Ahmed Best joins a little bit later. I think, God, does Phil Lamar do it at one point? Maybe it's a. It's, yeah, I can, I can just, I, I yeah. double check this. I can just get that out of the way if you want. Yeah. Please, uh, please so do. credited to B.J. Hughes, and then on January 29th, 2020, Ahmad Best uh, tweeted something out confirming uh, long-term suspicions that this person named B.J. Hughes is actually Phil Lamar. Uh, okay. Somebody had uh, tweeted at Ahmed Best saying, uh, watched one of those episodes of Clone Wars where it's not Ahmad Best uh, doing Jar Jar, and basically the person said they were weirded out. And uh, Ahmed Best uh, quote tweeted it and said, I appreciate your comment. This was at a time where doing Jar Jar was very painful for me. Thankfully, my good brother, Phil Lamar, held down the role until I was able to return. Love you, Phil Lamar. Thanks for being a great friend. So that is the official, according to Ahmed Best, history behind the different voice in these episodes. And that makes And again, it's not one of those like, ooh, bad. It's like it's it's very different. So the excuse me, the it. It all adds up in this particular episode. It adds up to a weird tone shift. I'm taken out of it a little bit. Um, And it's just inherent, but it's inherent to using Jar Jar in this time period. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm with you. I I think Philomar is amazing. I think he did an amazing job. I, I, I think part of it is because it goes right along with the lines that you're talking about. It, when Jar Jar is in doing clumsy things and is in the kind of the higher register of Misa, oh no, uh, mm-hmm. that it's it's great. And then I feel like they try to bring Jar Jar down to have a little bit of the gravity of like, oh, people died. And the voice is great, but it's just slightly different, right? And, and Ahmed yeah. Best's voice is so distinctive that at that same time where, where somebody might be having a bump on, oh, he was being wacky in physical comedy and now... Oh God! Horrible death. That's also at the same time where the voice doesn't sound as familiar as Jar Jar. Yeah, yeah, and it all adds up. So it's just like it's not just like or even a question. It's just it stood out. And then you talk about the the reveal of the, of the broken neck dead senator, and, it, <laughs> and it's like uh, seconds earlier you were you were goofy Jar Jar, and that this also might have been a direct result about that. I don't know, you know, in a, in a roundabout sort of way. So yeah, yeah, that's all. That's all. It's just, uh, but you know, it's that stuff's going to be there when you use Jar Jar during the Clone Wars. Yeah, and it is just a tension of Star Wars. Always, I think it's a tension of you know Lucas wanting to do uh, you know 1930s screwball comedy and also wanting to talk about life and death. And I, for me, it, it divides on that same line that you and I have really been talking about with the battle droids of going from, but I just got a promotion to uh, they're the clankers who are murdering clones right and left they're the terror of the galaxy you know and, it, and it's kind of both well hondo <laughs> kind of <both. laughs> kind of both we all contain multitudes um for me uh you know it's not disliked it's questioned i think that when i watched these episodes before i did not fully let them into my heart because i i always don't like it when 
force users are depowered in, in any way. Yeah. And I feel like this episode, I, I like these episodes a lot more because A, I tried to just accept that and look at, well, what is what are the episodes telling me? And thematically, I love all the ideas of the Jedi being pompous about their lightsabers. Um, there's that part of me when Dooku gets surrounded with all the blasters pointing at him, like, fair enough. But there's that other part of me of like, really? Really? Dooku couldn't get out of that? I think I have this slight uh, desire. And this goes back to me being, you know, a little kid uh, with both Jedi and with like Superman of like, never say they're less powerful than they are. Always just give them a circumstance that they truly can't get out of. Um, yeah. And for the most 99% of it, of these episodes work for me in, in them having hubris and thinking that there's never a situation that they can't get out of. Um, it works really great thematically. Uh, for the most part, the situations where they can't escape works because they screw things up for themselves and they are outnumbered in a small hallway and all those things. It mostly works for me, but it's a thing I wrestle with as I watch it of like, really? They couldn't have done this? They couldn't have done that? Um, and then as a trade-off, it's fun to get to watch them do lots of things with the actual force, like Dooku using the knife uh, to open oh, the, yeah. the door and and Obi-Wan actually going impressive and then Obi-Wan doing the mind trick, <laughs> telling the pirate to go drink. Uh, yeah. it, it's fun to see them stretch. And I think the part of it, I think, when I wrestle with it, I think the part of it that works for me is saying, hey, the hubris of Force users is they become over-reliant on their lightsabers. Mm. They can get out of other situations, but particularly when it comes to defending themselves, they are caught off guard because they are so tied to the lightsabers. Mm. Yeah. How do you feel about all that? I I questioned, I mean, Duke is a Sith Lord. Uh, to me, you know, a bunch of pirates with blasters. They can get. I mean, Order sixty six proves that you can you can die if you're surrounded uh, with with blasters. I get it, but there's something about um, you think of Vader in the hallway, Vader down the comic series. I, I don't want Sith to be invincible. But yeah, no, there's a little bit of a moment uh, where you're just like, what exactly got him? Is it just the spiritual lesson of? Dooku didn't think he could be caught, so he was caught. And he tries to impart that to Obi-Wan and Anakin, and they don't listen to, and the cycle goes on. So um, I, I do like that. Um, I have, so, and I go on gut reaction. So when when they're like, ah, you can't go use your weapons, and Obi-Wan and Anakin are kind of like, why, 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 why? I'm like, but you have, <laughs> you have force hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so I, I, I follow you on that path. Uh, yeah. Part of it. I, I do love that Obi-Wan and Anakin are willing to go in unarmed. But yeah, and yeah. And, and to play uh, the Sith advocate to myself, um, yeah, I get Dooku surrounded by a ton of blasters. Yeah, he can do a, a massive force push and he can probably knock every person over, but he doesn't have his, can he get his lightsaber back fast enough before, uh, you know, a bunch of blasters come, you know, flying in at him? Like, I get it. I get it. Um, but it is, I gotta be honest, I, I wrestle with it and get, it's one of my, uh, nerdy nitpicky things um, yeah. I think the same thing for me with binders like Dooku specifically says I tried to get out of it so I like the headcanon and he couldn't that there's something about these binders that mm -hmm. either they disrupt your concentration which makes it even more impressive that they're uh, mm -hmm. using the force while still uh, tied up to them or the locking mechanism of them are super intricate so they can't just like force it apart or you know there's something going on with these binders uh, mm -hmm. to make it so they can't just you know yeah. Flick them open with their mind. 
Those are called yeast calamari binders. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. The force doesn't exist around these binders. It's just that easy. <laughs> anyway, anything else that you uh, wrestled with? Uh, no, 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 no. Jar Jar is a lot to wrestle with. <laughs> That's plenty. Uh, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you wanted to touch on? Uh, the, o- no, the only note here, I, I moved it up with the Dooku looks rich. And, you know, which is not to say that a good pair of exquisite pajamas aren't uh, something we all deserve from time to time. All right. I have no problem with that. Absolutely. But I really love that you pointed out because not only is he flaunting his wealth uh, around, but I like that that is such a part of his character of like among the many ways the Jedi are fools and naive is like if you're rich, embrace it. Have the finest things, the best pajamas, you Jedi fools. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Only other thing I wanted to mention, uh, because I believe this is the first time it shows up with Hondo uh, talking about Lucas's influence and when Lucas grew up. I kind of love that Hondo and the pirate ships are just absolutely straight up 1950s flying saucers, complete with spin, a uh, spotlight for picking up, <laughs> uh, abducting yeah. people in a cornfield. And their sound has just a little bit of that sort of absolutely 1950s uh, space invasion theremin going on. It's just, it's one of those things of like, this is not like, you know, the band in the cantina being mm. influenced by 1930s swing uh, that is straight up a 1950s flying saucer it's got everything but the string hanging from it from plan nine you know yeah. mm-hmm. how do you yeah, feel about that I, I love there's a lot going on with week week ways and then their uh their lair the sounds the music the influences of it how they celebrate i call them good natured but they're bad but you know there's, there's a lot going on there that's why as as we're going in this episode i'm thinking it's like i've never really i've always liked hondo i really have but i like i have a, a friend of my joy rockenstein been on a jedi alliance years ago it might bring him on to do an interview at some point you could talk about he loves hondo he always mentions it and i'm always kind of like huh okay interesting um but going back and seeing there's just a lot there that i think because hondo and and all the pirates kind of have a bit of sense of humor a sense of celebration um, but also their means and their methods and their goals are bad. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm pulled in by them more than I ever have. And so, yeah, the saucers, everything about it. Uh, Lucas, just you can see, uh, having fun. Put a flying saucer in there from the 50s. Make it work. <laughs> yeah, don't change it at all. In fact, underline it with a theremin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. There's so much world building around Hondo and the pirates that makes it really, really fun and rich. Um, we are going to start wrapping up here. If you could have an action figure of any character from this episode, who do you want, Ken? Well, you know, Kawaki, a monkey lizard with a drink and a lightsaber would be great. <laughs> I, I do want one of those big Funko Pops, uh, you know, lots of, like there's the Wampa one. You can get the supersized Funko Pops that come in like a giant box. Give me a give me that gun Gundark. Oh, know? yeah. You want a big, a big, cute Funko Pop Gundark? Yeah, just just, to, you know, it means a lot to Star Wars. We've been saying that name since uh that, that that name since uh what 80 1980 right so yeah yep. it's been around a lot um finally put that on a shelf I'll, I'll take that yeah yeah that's great um for me it gets hard because some of these action figures exist and they're they're damn expensive there is a great hondo action figure that comes with pilf muck muck and since pilf muck muck is my comedy all-star from these two episodes i am tempted by that but if i was going to make up a new thing you know how much i love those cinema scenes that used to have the uh three uh, characters in a specific scene from Star Wars. I would love a cinema scene of the pirate bar 
with Obi-Wan and Anakin with their glasses so they could cheers each other, maybe pose cheersing one another, and then pilf muck muck <laughs> lurking around yep. there <laughs> with that bottle and maybe the lightsaber. That would be uh, just heaven. Uh, heaven in a, the form of a cinema scene for me. Yeah. Of all the bad, uh, you know, not bad, but just all these, you know, blank, a Star Wars story jokes that have been around in the last few years. Pilf muck muck a Star Wars story. I'm okay with that one. <laughs> oh, you know what? I do have to ask you this about uh, a thing you questioned. I was watching that first episode and knowing that I know Obi-Wan and Anakin get captured eventually, but I can't just remember where in this arc. And they, you know, it looks like they're gonna get poisoned. And then I'm just like so happy that they're smarter than that. And they switch the drinks. And you got that great ending, a very different ending for Clone Wars, where the party music is playing and Obi-Wan and Anakin are learning lessons and cheersing one another at the bar. And the second episode yep. starts and they're drugged. Uh, yep. Did you just get sense the sense that we, the audience, didn't see everything and every single drink was drugged and every pirate was knocked out in order to get Obi-Wan and Anakin? Yeah, yeah. Wallace Shawn as Vicini was there. Uh, inconceivable. Um, uh, Aya Kane's and both of the the, uh, the the glasses there. So, yes, that's... I, I, but, yeah, I had to do a, a, a focus in when I did the second rewatch. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did I miss something? Yeah. No, I'm with you on that. Yeah. Everybody they got poisoned, right? Yeah, celebrated. We'll look at us and all of a sudden, whoa, down I go. <laughs> nice uh all right so next up is another two-parter jedi crash season one episode 13 defenders of peace season one episode 14 i am excited to dig into those ken well, what should the moral of this episode of our podcast be no matter how much you stumble and bumble your way through a podcast keep going forward for that is the only end goal <laughs> we begin this podcast only so we can end it that's <laughs> yeah. yeah, a powerful moral do you want to tell people where they can find us i absolutely do you can find us on facebook at four center pod use the hashtag four center join the conversation we're on uh, facebook four center podcast instagram youtube as well subscribe over there you can get our merch at tpublic.com slash user slash Four Center. You can support us at audibletrial.com slash Four Center for a free audiobook on us. If you want to support us more directly, you can go to Patreon at patreon.com slash Four Center. As always, though, hey, like, uh, rate, review, tell a friend about Four Center. We've got our own stuff going on, including a big live show this weekend for Mark Riley, Riley's Cantina, uh, featuring uh, me as a co-host of sorts and special appearances by Four Center's own Joseph Scrimshaw and Jennifer Landa. It is this Saturday. If you're listening, uh, that'd be tomorrow. If you're listening years from now, it was a great show, but October 10th, 2027 PM Pacific, you go to KenAppsock.com, click on the events tab to uh, buy a ticket. And that link will live up for a couple days. If you can't watch it live, it is a live Star Wars comedy variety show. Going to be a lot of fun. And uh, that is all I got for my adventures, Joseph. Excellent. Uh, you can find me Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw, and you can check out my website, josephscrimshaw.com, for my other podcast, Obsessed, for comedy albums and for a link to the Adult Swim show uh, I work on that is called Tigtone. Season two's big finale is coming up, uh, but if you're interested in checking out Tigtone, uh, the first season is on HBO Max, and I believe the first season is also on Adult Swim's website as well. I'm sure season two will join very soon, so go to Joseph Scrimshaw com for all of that but for now that is it for myself for ken and of course for pilf muck muck this has been the clone wars report
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.